0: We are continuing our series, Bucket List. And as we've gone through the series, we've talked, of course, bucket lists are some things that we'd like to do or that we would like to achieve. Before we die and we've talked about some of those things you know, some of the things people would like to do They'd like to have their dream home before they die or before they die They would like to do something risky like go skydiving or something like that But today we're going to be talking about an item that's on a lot of people's bucket list And that is that before we die that we would like to do something great Now whenever I think about greatness I, I you know, just a few weeks ago or Maybe it's about a month ago now uh, Muhammad Ali died And uh, during his service, of course, they talked about his greatness as a fighter. Of course, that was one of the things that he would say all the time is, I am the greatest. And there's no doubt that probably in uh, in his generation, he was probably the greatest athlete during that time. It's, It's arguable that he was the greatest heavyweight fighter that there's ever been. And he always had a lot of great quotes, but as he got older, his greatness began to wane. And there was a really interesting article uh, where he was interviewed in Sports Illustrated, and he had this quote. He said, I had the world, and it wasn't nothing. Now, you know, whenever we talk about greatness, a lot of, the t- a lot of times, some of the greatness that we go after is very, you know, it's very short-lived. You know, it seems great for a period of time, but, but as far as longevity goes, that, that greatness is something that subsides rather quickly. And so for most of us, whenever we think of doing something great or being great, we think of being famous or we think of people admiring us or looking up to us and all of those different things. But today what we're going to do is we're just simply going to look into the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about greatness. And so today in our passage of scripture that we're going to look at, we're going to see Jesus talking to his disciples about what it means to be great. And and what's interesting is that what Jesus says about greatness is is very different than what most people think makes somebody great. And so that's why today we're going to look in Mark chapter 9, we're going to look in verse number 33, and so if you have your Bible, uh, you can look in Mark 9 verse 33, and you're going to see Jesus explain to us what greatness is. Now, what was going on at the time is the disciples thought that Jesus was going to set up like this earthly kingdom. And they thought that Jesus was going to kick the Romans out. You know, they were the occupying government. They thought Jesus was going to get rid of them, that he's going to set himself up as king. And then they were going to get to rule with Jesus. And so as they're walking along, they're going to Capernaum, which was a town just right off the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And they begin to argue with one another about who was the greatest You know, who's gonna be the greatest in Jesus's new kingdom? And then Jesus pulls them to the side and he begins to share with them what greatness really is. And so what I want us to do today is just very briefly, I want us to take a look and let's just see what Jesus has to say about greatness. Let's, Let's see what Jesus says makes up greatness. And the very first thing that I see that Jesus points out about what it means to be great is this, to be great means to be a servant. If you're going to be great, Jesus said it means that you are going to be one who serves others. In verse 33, it says, Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, because on the way they'd been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first he must be last of all and servant of all. Now, I don't know how y'all define uh, greatness, but let me tell you this. Servanthood is not on my list about what makes a person great. And whenever I think of greatness, and then I think, well, if I'm going to be great, it means that I must serve others. And I think, well, I've not quite reached greatness yet. Because in my mind, greatness means that you have other people who serve you. Any of y'all ever thought that before? Now, ladies, I know that you're you're saying my husband thinks that all the time. Now, that is just sort of like a typical definition of what we think greatness is. You know, if I'm serving others, and I think, well, I'm still kind of low on the totem pole. You know, I, I need to start working my way up so that I'm serving less and less people, because then when people are serving me, then I have arrived. Now, that sounds, that makes sense to me. But then I look and I see what Jesus says, and he says something totally contrary to that. Jesus says, if you want to be first, then you first of all must be last. You must be a servant. Now, y'all just being honest with you, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we all know that if, if you're running in a race, the guy who crosses the finish line first, what is he? He's the winner. Anybody else who follows that guy, what is he? he is the loser okay so that's the, i just look at that you win or you lose you come in first or you come in last and if you tie it's like kissing your sister so i just look at all those things now that's what it means to that's what it means to be great you win but jesus has a different definition for us jesus says if you're going to be great you serve Now, the the word servant in our text, it it does not mean slave. That's not what it's referring to. It's actually referring to one who voluntarily serves. It's speaking of one who will care for and love others. It it is speaking of of being a person who is willing to put others before themselves. So, So why would I want to be a servant? Because I want to bless other people. I want to be a servant because I want to demonstrate to other people what God has done in my own life. You know, the greatest example of servanthood that we have is Jesus, and there's a great scripture that just really gives a a, a wonderful picture of who Jesus is and and what service means. It's Philippians two five through eleven. And here's what it says about Jesus. It says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he, Jesus, emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. Taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come, and when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, when I when I read through that passage of Scripture, what I see is that Jesus came here not in order to get people to serve him. Jesus came here in order to serve others that they might meet God. And Jesus said that is what it means to be great. He came here in order to bear everybody's burdens because he knew that we couldn't carry the burdens on our own. And that's a mark of greatness. When you carry others' burdens, you're great. There's a great story about carrying burdens about a Chinese lady. This is back in uh, 1972. She had a two-year-old son who fell off of his bed, and he went into a coma. She took him to the hospital. There really wasn't anything they could do for him. And what made the story even more tragic is she did not have enough money in order to get him the proper care. She had to take him home. Her boy was completely paralyzed. Paralyzed. And so what she did, because he, because he was paralyzed, he was very susceptible to bed sores. And so she would, she would turn him over and pick him up, and she would carry him around everywhere that she went, which wasn't hard when he was little, but he got older. In 2002, they interviewed the lady. She was 65 years old. She weighed 80 pounds. Her son weighed 180 pounds. And she still carried him everywhere she went. There were times she had stumbled and fallen when she was holding her son and she had broken bones because he had landed on her. And the interviewer said, don't you see that your son is heavy? And and she said, no, my son's not heavy. She said, he's my son, therefore I carry him. And I thought, you know, that, that is what it means to be a servant. I guarantee you in the eyes of that young man, his mother was great because he, she carried him. And that is what Jesus is saying about greatness. He says greatness is when you carry somebody else, when you serve somebody else, because you want to be a blessing in their life and you want to carry their burdens. So what does it mean to be great? Jesus said if you're going to be great, he said it means to be a servant. Now he also said this, if you're going to be great, it means to be humble. Be great means to be a servant, it also means to be humble. Now I want to read to you verses 30, 36 and 37. It says, and then he took a child, Jesus did, and he had him stand among them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. Now, Jesus and the disciples, they've gone up into Capernaum. This is where Jesus lived most of his ministry. And more than likely, they had gone to Peter's house. And so when he grabbed the little boy, this is probably Peter's son. And so Jesus, it says, he took him in his arms. It means That means he embraced him. And Jesus was getting ready to give them an object lesson right here. And so what was the lesson? Well, well, the key to understanding this verse is when, when Jesus says, in my name. And if you look back in verse number 36 and 37, in verse 37, Jesus said, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name. Now, now why is that phrase, in my name, important? Because it means that you represent, you are representing Jesus in this life. You don't represent yourself. Jesus says, you are to welcome people in my name. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. So when you become a follower of Jesus, what that means is you're an ambassador for Jesus. It means that you are a vessel that God is to work through so that through your life, you can demonstrate who God is to other people. And so Jesus got this point across whenever he grabbed this child and he put him in his lap, put his arms around him, and he began to teach. Now, now, when you think about it, when you help a child, when you take care of a child, there, there's no advantage really that comes with that. It's not like, you know, if I take care of this child, you know, this is really going to help me in my career. I mean, that, does, that doesn't happen. I mean, children, they're just, they're just helpless. They need, somebody, they need somebody to care for them. And Jesus, as he has this child, what he's doing is he's demonstrating, I am willing to love people even though I don't expect to get anything in return. I just simply love others. That is a basic characteristic of God. God is, God is a God of love. 1 John 4.8 says God is love. and In Matthew 22, Verses 37 and following, we are given the same command that we are to also love. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So loving is a humbling experience. And and that's what it means to be great, is when you're willing to love others. And true love is whenever you are looking out for the interest of others without expecting to receive anything back. And I think a great example of uh, this kind of humbling love is the kind of love that a parent has for his child. Now, for those of you who have kids, if if you remember when your kids were little, you remember what that was like? Y'all having kids, having young kids, this is just my opinion, it's a young man's game. You know, when you have kids, What, what do kids do? when they're babies they scream all the time and it's like two o'clock in the morning your kid's screaming so what do we do well we we get up in the middle of the night and and we we feed them you know whenever i say we emily fed them you know you do those things because they're you're you're trying to you're trying to help them out you know and then and then whenever they have you know whenever they have an accident they have a dirty diaper what do you do you change the diaper Okay, now, was there ever time, parents, whenever your kids were little and you're changing a diaper and you're thinking, eventually, this is really going to pay off for me financially? Is that that what you're thinking? Is that why you were doing that? You're not not serving that kid like that because you think you're going to get a reward for it. You're doing it for a simple reason. Because you love your kid. Just simply because you love them. And love that kind of love, it, it, it is humbling. It takes humility to love in that kind of way. Humility demonstrated through service will win the hearts of people. When you serve and you love without expecting anything in return, I promise you it will get the attention of people around you. And that gives us the opportunity to say, We are doing this because this is the way. Jesus has loved me. What does it mean to be great? It means to be a servant. It means to be humble. And this is the last thing. What does it mean to be great? Jesus said this. It means to be kind. If we're going to be great, we're going to be kind. Verse 37, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. Now, I I was thinking about this the other day. I was just thinking about kindness. And it's interesting to me that kindness is something that really seems hard to come by in our world today. Now, you know, I I, I keep up with politics quite a bit. I watch, you know, I I probably watch too much news. I watch the news, I'll read the news. And as I as I watch it, you know, I, there's not there's not a whole lot of kindness out there, you know. And I and I know it's it, you now it's easy to sit there and say, well, that's just you know that's how politicians are. Guys, let me tell you something. It's not just politicians. It's just people in general. I the only thing you have to do you get on Facebook. Y'all ever read some of the posts on Facebook? I mean, I read some of that garbage, and I think I can't believe people actually say some of this stuff. And kindness, it just seems to be like it's a, it's a byword now. It's something that doesn't even exist. And we, we've we gotten to a point now to where, you know, if you, don't, <clears throat> you know, if you don't agree with me on some certain issue, then you are evil. You know, if I own a, and I don't want to get too crazy here. Okay, if I own a gun, then there's people who are going to say, well, that means you're for a, a more violent America. I'm thinking, I, I am? You know, I'm thinking I just like to go out and hear things go boom. You know, I didn't know I was for a more violent America. You know, if if you if you don't agree, if you don't vote for a particular politician or you like this politician, then you're not a godly person. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, that is the definition. So we've gotten to a point now where we say, well, if you don't agree with me, then then you're not a good person. We get to a point where where we play these games where we're just simply trying to win. But that's not what Jesus that's not how Jesus says that we are called to live. In verse 37, Jesus says a word that's very important. He says, we are called to be welcoming. He said, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, he is great. We are to be people who welcome. Now, Now, what does that word welcoming mean? Well, it's a picture of a person who is a host or a hostess. I automatically, I think of like a restaurant. You know, whenever you go into a restaurant, there's somebody there that, how many people are in your group? You know, those people, I guess the hostess. Now, when, whenever you come in, what they typically do is they, they're smiling. They're glad to see you. Welcome, we're glad you're here. They don't, they, now, they're not waiting to see, am I going to be nice to this guy? Is he just going to order a salad? Or is he going to get the most expensive thing on the menu? It doesn't matter what you're getting. They are there in order to be warm and kind to you. Why? Because they represent that restaurant. And, and they want you to come back again. That They don't want you to have a sour taste in your mouth. And so then I look into our scripture and I see that that's what God calls us to do, to be welcoming, to be like a host or hostess, to treat people with kindness. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, there are times when I think, well, that person doesn't deserve kindness. Y'all know people like that? I do. You know what? They, they, they might not deserve it, but that's, Jesus doesn't tell me that I'm the arbiter of who gets to determine if somebody is worthy of kindness or not. He's called me to be kind. I'm under his control and leadership, not my own. If you're a follower of Jesus, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, you're not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And Jesus said, as we're kind to others, as we welcome others, he says, then you're also being kind and welcoming to him. Now, that makes a difference to me. And that's something I think is kind of motivating. When I am kind to somebody, when you are kind to someone, even if they don't deserve it, you're not just being kind to that person. Jesus says, you are actually also being kind to me. And so that sort of takes, takes me out of looking at a person saying, well, they really don't deserve it. Jesus says, when you're kind to other people, you are being kind to me. Jesus said in Matthew uh, twenty five forty, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, Jesus said, you did it for me. So when you're kind, understand this, when, when you're expressing kindness, you're also being kind to God. And, and that changes the way that I view people. Now, I want to read to you. This is kind of a long passage. There's an author named Max Lucado. I don't know if you all have ever read any of his books, but he has this one book that's called Outlive Your Life. He's talking about kindness and serving others, and, and so I'm going to read this passage to you. He said, Can Hispanics live in peace with Anglos? Can Democrats find common ground with Republicans? Can a Christian family carry on a civil friendship with a Muslim couple down the street? He said, Can divergent people get along? He wrote, The early church did, said, without the aids of sanctuaries, church buildings, clergy, or seminaries, they did so through the clearest of messages, the cross, and the simplest of tools, the home. He said, Not everyone can serve in a foreign land, lead a relief effort, work in a soup kitchen downtown, but he said, But who can't be hospitable? He said, Do you have a front door? Do you have a table? Do you have chairs? Do you have bread and meat for sandwiches? He says, well, congratulations. You just qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries known as hospitality. He said, something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. He said, in a church auditorium, the only thing you see are the backs of heads. He said, around a table, you see expressions on faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks, and around the table, everybody has a voice. Church services are on the clock. I know you all are glad about that. He says, but around the table, there is time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. He says, it's no accident that hospitality and hospital have the same meaning. They, came from, they come from the same root word, which means to heal. He says, when you open the door to someone, you're sending this message. You matter to me and to God. You might think you're saying, come over for a visit, but your guest will hear this. I am worth the effort. Okay, so here's the question. What is greatness? You know what greatness is? It's making sure that you become small. Making sure that you're not first in everything, but that you put others before yourself. You know, I thought if I'm going to be great, then I need to put into practice what John the Baptist said in John 3.30. John 3.30, John the Baptist said, He must increase, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Whenever I begin to put myself on the back burner, then I open myself up to Jesus working through me. And guys, let me tell you something. When Jesus is working in your life, you will become great. Now, I really think this. I believe all of us have a desire to be great. We all have a desire to do something great in life. To leave our mark. You know, I, I don't want to just pass through life and just like be, he was a cipher. I mean, his, his life did not matter. I want to matter. But how can I matter? Well, Jesus answers the question. He says, be a servant. Be humble. And then he says, and be kind. "Well, so how do we do that? Well, I want you to think about this. Think about this. Where are you on the greatness scale? In your life right now, where are you? Are, are you practicing being a servant? If you're not, let me encourage you to do something. Try it out. Try it out at home. You know, where you live is a great place. Spouses serve your families, not, not grudgingly. You know, I never like it when somebody serves me and they're mad about it. You know, not, not grudgingly, but with the spirit of Jesus. You know, is, is there trash? Guys, is there trash that needs to be taken out? Do it in the spirit of service. Uh, do you have dogs you know, before somebody else takes them out, why don't, why don't you get up and you take them out first in a spirit of service. That's something that's really simple, a way, a way to serve. How, how are you at practicing humility and kindness? You know, putting others before yourself. Try it out with your neighbors. When you see them in the yard, don't run in and hide. Hey, talk to them. When you see them in the yard, walk over to them, talk to them. Invite them into your house to Eat. Say, I'd like for you to come over So Let's set up a time when you can come over. Find out what's going on in their life. Let them know that you'll pray for them. Bring them to church with you. Have a kind word for them. But demonstrate through your speech and through the way that you live that you serve Jesus. What does it mean to be great? Well, Jesus points it out. He said, to be great means to serve, it means to be humble and to be kind. And my hope is that we will demonstrate more and more greatness in our lives and the life of this church as we practice these things.